welcome to episode four of uh, 22 hours to park city i'm asher and i'm wade um so last week we had a little bit of a relaxed time talking about our um top five film picks uh, this week we are as promised jumping back into the thicket and also as promised last week or as hinted to last week we're gonna we're going to jump back into the thicket with some current events, uh, mainly uh, impeachment proceedings, which have started in the House of Representatives um, for, uh, you know, the president. We all know the president, Donald Trump. Um, before we start, I think it's kind of important to uh, to clarify because, you know, the majority of Americans think that impeachment is just like you're removed from office, like you're kicked out. Um, right. Which it isn't. Cause so we're, we're going to start with a little, you know, a quick little government lesson. Um, so basically impeachment means, um, quick question, Wade, how many presidents have been impeached? Oh man. Um, I believe it's just one. Close. It's two. two? Oh, yeah. was, it's one or two. I knew that. You had Andrew Johnson, who was Lincoln's um, oh, that's right. vice president, and he was uh, impeached. And you have um, Bill Clinton, who was impeached. So, uh, But you have never had a president actually removed from office. So there's a distinction. So basically, um, when impeachment proceedings begin, uh, the House of Representatives... Um, which is, you know, one of the two houses of our Congress. There's the Senate and the House of Representatives. The House of Representatives is made up according to uh, population. So each state, you know, there, there's a formula where they figure out per however many people you get one representative. Um, and so the Senate is just you have two senators per state. Like that's, you know, just that one's easy. Um that was a solution to a constitution. There's a question while they're drafting constitution. It was a compromise, whatever. We don't need to know that. Basically, when um, the House of Representatives opens up impeachment proceedings, they say, okay, we're going to have a one committee or multiple committees basically investigate whether or not the president has conducted misconduct. Um, and they, you know, they interview people, they subpoena people. So they tell people, you have to come forward and talk to us. Uh, they subpoena documents, you know, to get documents from the White House and everything like that. Um, and they review it all and they say, yeah, so um, we definitely think that the president has, you know, violated his duties. And when they do that, there's a vote. So there's a vote on the House floor to basically pass impeachment. And if the vote passes, then you are impeached. But then that doesn't necessarily mean you are removed from office. So Andrew Johnson was impeached for like stupid reasons. Basically, the, the House of Representatives didn't like Johnson, just wanted him out. Um, so they passed impeachment, but he wasn't removed from office. And Bill Clinton, the House of Representatives, passed impeachment, but he also wasn't removed. Because what happens after the House of Representatives passes impeachment is it goes to the Senate. And the Senate then holds uh, like a judicial hearing. So basically the entirety of the Senate is the jury and the evidence is presented and the president comes forward and like has to come forward and say, hey, um, I plead guilty or I plead not guilty. 
if the president does not appear, then it's an automatic non-guilty plea. Um, so the assumption is then, okay, well, he's pleading non-guilty. He thinks he's innocent. Um, and the whole thing is overseen by the chief justice of the Supreme Court, who in this case is Chief Justice John Roberts. So it's like a legal proceeding. It's like a court case, like a trial, um, except it's it's not. So it's not an actual judicial hearing it's it's a senate it's like it's a political process um but it's modeled after the judicial process so when you do that when you have the senate um test like you know um have their trial i guess we'll call it um you need two-thirds of the senate so you can't just have you know there's 100 people in the senate you can't have 51 to 49 and then the president's removed from office you have to have two-thirds so, in this instance, um, like in, in with Andrew Johnson, uh, they actually he was actually protected from being removed by like one vote, like it was they were one vote shy. So if anyone, if you ever, if you ever told, I believe, I believe that's the case. If you ever told that your vote doesn't count, just remember Andrew Johnson was saved by one vote, um, and then Bill Clinton was saved. Um, by multiple multiple votes but they basically decided that he hadn't done anything wrong um uh richard nixon left office before the house of representatives could even you know pass impeachment so he just bailed anyway um so right now this is a big deal <laughs> this is a very big deal because it's you know this has only happened the attempt to do it has only happened really three times in our past to like where we've gotten thus far um and so now this is going to be the fourth time and potentially the third time that the house of representatives will actually pass um things so uh that's what impeachment is um to be impeached doesn't mean you're removed it's you know it just means that it goes to the senate and then the senate decides whether or not you should be removed and in that case the vice president becomes um the president uh that is and we'll get into this in a little bit, that is unless the vice president is also implicated in your crime, and in which case the uh, Speaker of the House becomes the president, um, which is also the, the, the guidelines for impeachment. You can't just be like, ah, you know, I don't like this president, you know, let's impeach him. Uh, it's either um, treason, I think it's treason, bribery, or high crimes and misdemeanors, which the last one is kind of just whatever they define it as so you know you can say well this is considered a high crime and misdemeanor um so it basically if the president breaks the law then he can be impeached it can't just be like oh that policy is stupid impeach him so there's an, there's an actual process um all right so let's get into what it is now uh you read the the thing the yeah, whistleblower whistleblower complaint. complaint yeah um so basically uh there was in like july of this year uh the president had a phone call with the ukrainian president um vladimir Zelensky, and uh you know they chatted for a little bit and uh with throughout the phone call i think it's eight times um the president pushed the president of Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden, who is a former vice president and 
the uh, his political rival, one of the front runners of the Democratic um, Party for president. Um, and he was trying to get the Ukrainian president to investigate because supposedly there had been an investigation into Joe Biden's son in Ukraine of like Joe Biden's son committing a crime and corruption. Um, and Joe Biden had shut it down, quote unquote, had used his political power to, you know, make the investigation go away. And um, Trump wanted Ukraine to look into that and to study that and basically get dirt on Joe Biden. And he wanted um, Rudy Giuliani, Trump's personal lawyer, to work with Ukraine, as well as uh, Bill William Barr, the attorney general, to work with Ukraine to to do that. Um, and that, and then there was a whistleblower who heard about this, found out about it and, um, filed a whistleblower complaint, which is the legal way to basically say what the people, what my superiors are doing is illegal. They're breaking the law and it's anonymous and it's, it's the legal way to do it as opposed to just like taking the files and like giving them to, I don't know, the Washington post or something. Am I just, just yeah, I'm not say yeah. I, I don't I don't know. It's if you have anything to add to that. Um, yeah, I think you pretty much covered all the grounds of kinda what's happened so far with it. Um let's see here, I'm trying to think of if there's anything else that I've heard that I could add on to it. Um I don't think so. I know I heard that um, with the investigation, it was on uh, Joe Biden's son, who I guess was um, he was put in charge of like a oil plant or something in the Ukraine, but he didn't really know how to run it or anything. And he was pretty much just receiving like monthly checks from it for like it was like 80. I don't know how much it was, but he's receiving like just money from running this place, even though he wasn't actually running it. And then I'm pretty sure that there was like a attorney who was and uh, uh, like kind of doing the investigation on Joe Biden's son. And um, from what I've heard, I don't know if this was a reliable source, but uh, Joe Biden uh, somehow got that person fired, uh, the attorney, and closed that investigation. Yeah, so that's what Trump's asking Zelensky to then look into. Um, and like there is we have the transcript of the call which he released just unredacted and everything like that and you can read it word for word and in it you know um, the president of Ukraine says well we're thinking of buying javelin like javelin missiles more javelins from uh, the United States Uh, we're thinking about doing that and immediately after Trump says I want you to do me a favor though like Word for word, that's what it is. And then he talks about the investigation that, you know, got, quote unquote, shut down and that Trump wants, you know, the president to find out about. So um, this is what the House of Representatives is now investigating. There's already six committees that are investigating Trump for various other things. And so those committees are going to continue their investigation um, and uh, basically present that to the uh, the House of Representatives on the floor. Um, 
It's also noteworthy the House of Representatives is controlled by the Democrats. They have the majority, and the Senate is controlled by the Republicans. It's a narrow majority in the Senate, but it's enough. Um, so the question then that you know we're gonna we're gonna have to answer here is do you think it's enough do you think this is an impeachable offense in my opinion i'd have to say yes is what i'm thinking just kind of the way he went about it and opening an investigation and maybe even if it was an investigation that should be like reopened um just kind of with the timing of it uh with the coming election and everything you can kind of see that trump probably did it to try and get dirt on someone else that he's going to be possibly running against so he kind of used his position of power for um selfish and personal gain all right we're on the same page yeah this is this is also in my opinion and in in my opinion the like just the flat out truth is he's clearly using his power as the president to invite a foreign leader to dig up dirt on a political opponent that he can use against him so he's inviting foreign opposition into our you know and this isn't what, you know, candidate Trump, people always say, you know, this isn't what candidate Trump is doing, like where he said, you know, Russia, you need to find the emails of, you know, Hillary Clinton, whatever. That's candidate Trump. This is President Trump, who is very clearly asking a foreign power to investigate his political opponent. And that's, you know, of all this talk, uh, of all, you know, everyone's talk of voter fraud and the ballot box and all this stuff, this is the political infer interference in your elections that you should worry about. And I, I don't see how it's not impeachable. It's high crimes and misdemeanors. And also, in my opinion, you could call it treason because that's, that's manipulating the government's, like, your fair and free elections. That's, it's just... Yeah, I'm also kind of wondering, too, uh, why didn't he use our own intelligence agencies? Do you, do you have any reason well, on that? I wasn't I think because for one the president doesn't have the power to tell the justice department what to do, so he can't say open an investigation into so and so. He can call on them to do it, but he can't they don't they don't take marching orders from the president. Um to be fair though, the Ukraine doesn't either. Yeah, except here's Unless the you thing. trade off. Here's yeah. the thing. We haven't even gotten to all of it because even the invitation to do it, even the, the asking to do that is impeachable. Like, that's clear cut. The other part of this is that Congress had appropriated money to go to Ukraine in order, so for Ukraine to use against Russia. They're fighting a current, they're currently engaged in, you know, combat with Russia on their border. Um and they rely on our, you know, aid in order to keep from being absorbed into Russia. Just like, um, why am I blanking on uh, where Russia absorbed that Russia absorbed the other the other country that Russia absorbed? I I mean this is this is terrible that I can't remember this. Uh, it'll come to me. Basically, um, they're relying on it, and. Um, if 
so the, the Congress said, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to send this more aid to Ukraine. Clear cut. Trump delayed that military aid with the, um, you know, under the pretense of, oh, well, you know, we're looking into, you know, we have to figure out the logistics of this or whatever. He delayed it in order to, you know, in reality and what's suspected, in order to use it as leverage. So to basically say, hey, you know, you help me out and you can get the money, but if you don't, you're not going to get the money, which is, you know, like the mafia. That's that's just mob tactics, and it's in, it's. I mean, it's an it's a it's a shakedown. It's a mob shakedown. There's a lot of people have said that, and it's so true. It's a mob shakedown, and by doing that, he's overstepping his bounds that are just so clearly laid out in the Constitution. Is that Congress has the power of the purse? The president can you know do all this stuff, but if he doesn't have Congress behind him. They can, you know, they can divert funds and say, okay, we're not going to give you money for a border wall or for this or that. Congress alone has the power to control where the funds go. And so if they delegate that it goes to Ukraine for the president to then say, no, not until they do this for me and not do this for our you know, country, even that would be wrong. But for me personally, they're not going to get the money. That is just, you know, now you have the power of the purse. And that is overstepping your constitutional duties, violating what you, the constitution you've sworn to uphold, and you should be removed from office as soon as possible. And that's me saying that about any president. If this came out that a democratic president had done this, and this, and it was, you know, say it wasn't Trump. That's a nice thought. Um, and it was a Democratic president, the Senate would be outraged. The Republicans in the Senate would be outraged. He would have been impeached long ago, way before we even got to this point. But they're not. They're defending him in this instance. Um, and, I mean, there's so many things to go into here, but the talk about the, the House Minority Leader. The represent the highest ranking member of the Republican Party in the House uh, is just adamantly opposed to any form of impeachment. And Mitch McConnell, who's the Senate majority leader, he's the highest ranking um, Republican in the Senate, and he runs the Senate. He he said that he said that this the Democrats don't have a leg to stand on that they're you know they're just grasping at straws here and they're trying to do whatever just because they don't like Trump they want to impeach him and that's so very wrong and hypocritical because when uh, Bill Clinton was being was you know being impeached when it came to the Senate a lot of the most of the Democrats you know defended him which honestly in hindsight that's not that there was a problem there that, that was perjury and that definitely is not that's definitely impeachable um but that's beside the point haha <laughs> that's beside the point the hypocrisy is that mitch mcconnell back then was one of the republicans who didn't defend him and who said well the president has lied to the american people he's you know lied to congress he's time and time again been faced with the choice of lying or telling the truth and coming clean and he has chosen time and time again to lie. And if we as the as Congress want to have the moral high ground and want to keep our honor, we have to hold him to account. And that's what he said. 
you know, 20 years ago. But now, now when it's the same thing, when the president is lying to the American people and is lying to Congress, now he wants to defend him because it's a Republican president. Do you see the... Right, yeah. I also kind of want to throw in at this point, too, uh, just kind of differences on, like, how Republicans and Democrats will, like, kind of back each other up. Uh, when I initially went in to go and do this research, you know, you go on Google, you Google, like, Trump impeachment or, like, whistleblower complaint, and the first thing that's going to come up is, like, you know, CNN, Fox, a uh, list of different uh, news outlets, and so I kind of started reading through a few of those just to get basic idea before I really delved in and basically what I got from it is um at this point I don't think they had released the whistleblower complaint yet where I when I looked this up but uh basically it was um they'd go up ask like a democratic representative and they'd be like yeah like it's very concerning like we should really pay attention to this you should be impeached yada 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 ask a Republican candidate, they're like, no, there's nothing on there that was really concerning. They're just, like, trying to uh, put this all on him before the election's coming up, and, you know, there's nothing that he really said that was at all concerning. So I'm just saying they're like, so is it concerning or is it not? So I, uh, that's when I was like, okay, I need to actually, like, find this document and read it so that way I can kind of save for myself. And so... um. It was actually a little bit harder to find than I thought it would be. But it ended up being on, like, the government, like, intelligence agency's website. Uh, I was able to find the actual document. I read it. Um, I did actually find it myself that it was concerning for kind of the reasons that we talked about before. And so I think that's just another thing that's important is to, if whenever you're just reading media outlets, don't... Be skeptical of it and really try and find, uh, if you can, the actual source. And if you can't, if 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 it's if it's public record, which it is, the whistleblower complaint is public record, and as is the transcript that the White House has released, then you can file a um, Freedom of Information Act request, um, and you can basically just uh, I, I think it's. I think it's the FBI you can file it under. I, I'm not sure about that. But um, FBI or NSA or something like that, you can, there should be a, uh, a link in like the, on their website. It's a Freedom of Information Act request. And you can click on it and you can fill out um, the form that, like a form that basically who you are, what you want, and you can submit it. And they are required to give it to you. Um, if it's public record, it, they are required to give it to you. Uh, and if it's not damaging to national security, which these are not, um, that's why it's a whistleblower complaint is that the point is that it's, you know, eventually becomes public. So if you can't find something, file one of those because you have the right to do it and to listen to it. Um, so my uh, my view in listening to this and hearing about this is that it's. It's no longer because, you know, the thing is, politicians stand by their neighbors and stand by their party. Um, but when it comes down to it in its purest form, it should be country over party, that your country yes. takes precedence over your political party or affiliation or who's in the White House, 
whoever it is, the country comes first. And that should be true for anybody. Like, like me saying, you know, Bill Clinton, who is a Democrat, what he did was perjury. And that should not be abide. Like that, that is, that cannot happen. You can't let a president get away with that. That being said, it is clearer and clearer nowadays that the party more comfortable with putting party over country is the Republican Party. And the Democrats do do it to a degree, but the Republican Party is more invested in what benefits them and their people than what benefits the country. And even more than that, in this instance as well, it's incredibly clear it's no longer even party over country, it's person over country. It's Trump over the Republican Party over the country. Because you now have the majority of, there's now the majority of people want an impeachment investigation. I think it was like 54% now, as opposed to, you know, 30% a couple months ago. So you have the majority of Americans who want this, and the Republican Party still refuses to say that it's a good thing. And if I was a person who was accused of something that I did not do, I would absolutely want an investigation because that proves I didn't do it. I would want the most intense investigation to look into every little aspect because you can then point to the fact that there is no wrongdoing. Whereas if you block that investigation, that only makes you look more guilty. Especially before an election, might as well try and get it over with. Exactly. And so if this really was about the country, then you would follow what the country wants. And Mitch McConnell in the Senate has even said, he said that, you know, we would have no choice but to bring it to a vote in the Senate or like have the proceeding in the Senate if it passed the House. He said that they would have no choice. But he said before that impeachment wouldn't would not get voted on in the Senate. He said before he won't even let it because he decides what comes to the Senate floor. He said they would not allow impeachment to take place. And he's done this before. He's done stuff like this before. And so you have him protecting the president over the country. And that's not there is no loyalty to the president. No one swears an oath of office saying upholding, you know, the president's dignity. You swear an oath of office upholding the Constitution and the country. And so hearing lawmakers say this should be outrageous because you're now you're shirking your constitutional duty. And you're refusing to take the responsibility that you have been given. And so now he said, well, we would have no choice but to do it. But they've already made up their minds. They, they've already decided that he's not guilty, you know, and they're coming out in droves and defending him. And the people who are defending him, they have no they have no basis of like like Rudy Giuliani defending him, you know, his personal lawyer saying, well, I, you know why I did this? You know, why I did what I did is because the president asked me to. The president is not the emperor. The president does not get to decide what is legal and what is not and what happened. And he wants, you know, he's been calling on Adam Schiff is the the chair of the um, House Intelligence Committee. I think it's the House Intelligence Committee or the Judiciary Committee. Um, and he's been saying that what Adam Schiff is doing, like investigating him and what Adam Schiff 
said he said, like reading from the transcript or, you know, uh, what Adam Schiff is doing, a, a, i.e. his job, amounts to treason and he should be investigated and tried, which is, you know. Ridiculous. Yes. You're a Republican. Republicans are about, you know, personal, individual freedom. And that's what America is about. But Republicans push it more intensely. And so, you know, and it's the argument for the Second Amendment is that I know I have to protect myself from a dictatorship government. That's a whole other horse. But that is a, you know, that if that's your true belief that you should be free from a totalitarian government, then you should be outraged at what's going on because this is a congress that is going to let the president run unchecked and an unchecked president is a king and you do not want a king in america that's what we fought against and so even if it's your party member you should see the forest through the trees of what's happening you know this is a president who does not want to be checked in any capacity and calling on, you know, a political opponent who's investigating him, he should be tried for treason. You know, this is what you hear about in Russia or, you know, in Saudi Arabia and in, in totalitarian states. That's what you hear about. Oh, they say they're a democracy, but look what the presidents do. That is what happens when you just put the person or the party over what the country, what is best for the country. And that's what. Republicans in the Senate and the House are intent on doing. And um, but you do have some who are who actually have a spine, i.e. our representative, Justin Amash from, you know, uh, he's a representative of Calhoun County and of, you know, our district. Um, he left the Republican Party. He's an independent now because he said he can't stand by and be a part of the party that is, you know, allowing this to happen. So he's left it. And he's now an independent, and he supports impeachment. And so that's someone who believes in the tenets of the Republican Party, whereas everyone who is right, right now just going along with it and doing whatever, they don't believe in it. They don't believe in those tenets. Because if you really did, then it wouldn't matter who is in the White House. You would stand by them. Because Trump isn't a Republican. The Republican Party of today is not the Republican Party that was even four years ago. It's, it's something way different. And so, you know, we should, and I, you know, eight years ago, I wouldn't have said this. We need more people like Justin Amash, because even though I don't agree with his politics entirely, I agree with the fact that he is courageous and he is going to stand up for what's right. And I, I, I appreciate and respect him for that. And so, you know grow a spine that's I'm, I'm gonna be quiet for a moment now <laughs> i'm getting heated <laughs> go on you, you talk oh man um whew, i don't know where even to start after all that there um no i actually didn't uh realize that justin amash did that um you are more well read with politics and stuff i'll admit and I meant to do a little more reading on this, but I'm in the midst of my midterms right now. Yeah, it's now. not a good time for me <laughs> either to be reading up on incredibly <sighs> complex, nuanced issues. I've got so much to do. Okay, so enough of, like, everyone's college kid problems. Yeah. Um, 
continuing on yeah no i think that's actually awesome that he did that just like stepping away from kind of the party system now in general because just with today's age they are very much separated so that's actually really cool that he did that right i i i love that he did that we have um you know, uh, we have a we have a buddy, um, Doc, who's uh, he w- he wants to go to into the Air Force Academy, and he had to write a letter to Justin Amash, like requesting, you know, to be admitted into the Air Force C- Academy. And um, we were both talking about how uh, it would be fantastic. Just add a little note at the bottom that says, "Hey, I'm not part of your political party, but I respect you for what you've done, and we need more people like you." And like, I, I mean, obviously you can't, because that's that's you know beside the point of the letter, but really i mean and he's our representative and i'm proud that he is uh, even if i don't agree with his party i i at this point i'm just happy to have someone who has courage and and can stand up for what's right in this country if it makes you feel any better now he's an independent yeah so. exactly even even though he's a concert he's, he's more of a conservative independent and if he would you know um I, and i hope he runs as an independent um the next year because uh if you ran, if you ran as a Democrat, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but if you ran as an independent, I would think, Hey, that's, that's fantastic that he doesn't just say, you know, well, I'm going to leave this term and then just back out. And so if he won over a Democrat, I wouldn't be as mad as I normally would because I know what he does and I know what he stands for. And I big thumbs up to him for that. Justin Mosh, if you're listening, thank you. (laughs) Happy to have you on the show. That'd be really cool. All right, so now where do we want to take this, I guess? Well, we've gone over the process of impeachment. Uh, We've gone over kind of how we've done our research a little bit, making sure that um, we've kind of got the facts. Um, We've applied the facts to the procedure, and so we've kind of determined that um, we do think that Trump should be impeached for what he's done with this call so um here's here's what i would like to say is um oh i just thought something else too for when you're done okay um this is it it, it's it's a it's a breaking point is what this is um because even even all of the stuff that has happened before this all of the the massive mound of you know disregard for norms shattering of norms and uh disregard for the law and duty and honor and responsibility all of that that's happened before this this is the breaking point i feel because this is where the the party that is currently not in power is trying to hold the president to account. And what needs to happen here in an ideal world is this needs to go through, be investigated thoroughly, be sent to the Senate after a decision on the House floor. And if the the House decides that, you know, this was not worthy of impeachment, actually, uh, then it dies there. And if that's if that's what the House decides, then that's what the House decides. But they then send it to the Senate floor if they decide that it is worthy of impeachment. Um, and when it goes to the Senate floor and they hold the actual hearing to remove the president, it needs to be held 
fairly. And I say that so tentatively because I really have been disillusioned as to that the party, the Republican Party, is going to do anything fair because these past few decades they have just used every loophole trick like dirty trick everything to keep themselves in power and keep the democrats out of power and i can very clearly see that that is we are heading towards a point where they're just going to deny that this is anything worthy of impeachment and going to let leave him in but if that if that does happen, I don't think it's a necessarily uh, a loss win scenario because if you have all of these investigations, then you have to then you have all this information coming out that is being that has to be dug up and looked at and scrutinized and investigations and um, discussions and testimony. Excuse me, testimony. And I think for the American public to see that and hear what's what is happening, um, very clearly laid out, I think that's important. And I think one of the other things that's really important is that when, if and when it gets to the Senate, it forces everybody publicly to say whether are they not whether or not they're going to hold the president to account. And if the Republicans refuse to despite all of the evidence, then it makes, it, it, it's, it's set in stone what you've said and what you've testified and what you've voted. And people who deny the evidence and just refuse to accept that and do not hold the president to account for what he's done, for what he's done, will go the way of... Um, everybody in the past who has stood against progress you know the uh um the people standing in the in the schoolhouse doors the people you know yelling at little rock nine all of these people who stand in the way of civil rights and progress and responsibility they will all be written in the history books as the ones who were just going along with it and just kept their heads down and looked the other way. And the history books will not be kind to these people because you do not look at, you know, even looking at taking the most extreme example, look at Nazi Germany. When you look at Nazi Germany, the people who didn't believe in what Hitler did, but just looked the other way and you know ignored that it was happening they are just as guilty as the people who took willing participation in it because they're bystanders and they're not standing up to them and there were enough people that you could have made a difference but you didn't because you were you know you were too scared about it and so they're going to go the way of those people if you just stand by and let this happen then you will be remembered in history as regardless of whatever else you did, you will be the person who allowed the, us to go so far down this rabbit hole. You'll be in, you're going to, you're going to be an accomplice. And I think that it's going to come out in this, through this impeachment, who they are, and what they believe in and they're going to have a chance once and for all to say publicly enough is enough 
or just keep going along with it. And I think that's going to be really important for the American public to see and hear and witness. Um, I have more, but I want to hear what you said, what you thought I'd say. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and I guess it kind of goes along with what you're saying in the regards of like um, just kind of passively ignoring it and going along with it. Um, I'm sure that uh, some people who are arguing like for Trump, a lot of times they may, might be like, yeah, but like Joe Biden or Joe Biden's son was part of this thing that should be investigated. And if they do that, like maybe it should be investigated. But at the same time, these are both separate offenses. So bringing up something that someone else did wrong doesn't support um, someone else being innocent for something that they did wrong. Yes. Accurate. It's whataboutism. It's, you know, well, sure, Trump is, you know, has uh, done this, but what about Hillary Clinton? She did this and blah, blah, blah. And it diverts and it's a tactic employed by the right, by, you know, mostly by Republicans and the far right. Um, And just because someone else is guilty of something doesn't mean you're innocent. It does not because then, you know, even if you think, like uh, that someone is guilty of a double standard. The answer then is not no standard. Um, John Oliver pointed that out. And that's a great point is that to say, well, we're all flawed and we all make mistakes. So anarchy, that's not the answer. And so regardless of whether or not Biden did something wrong, and that should absolutely be investigated and, you know, looked into um, whether or not that happened, the fact that you have invited foreign interference into an election is just outrageous. The the ends do not justify the means in this case. You know, you can't do that. Even if someone has committed an atrocity and it's very clear that they've done it, you can't do that. You just can't because that then you're above the law. And I'll point out, in the attempt to um, investigate this, House committees have already subpoenaed documents and people who are and are saying you need to come forward, you need to testify in front of uh, you know Congress, and you need to give us these documents. And um, I, oh, I I forget who it is, but I think it's the uh, the the acting director of the intelligence um, community of the intelligence agency is just is refusing to do it, is refusing to comply. You're refusing to send documents and people who have been subpoenaed by Congress to testify in front of Congress. And this is where we are getting into a constitutional crisis because this is going to be the test. This will tell the tale of whether or not our democracy is strong enough to withhold, to withstand the attempts of people to wreck it. Because as my father likes to say, democracy is only as strong as the people who are sworn to uphold it and if you have congress people who are not willing to uphold the constitution then it's worthless so if you are the president or you're you know the chair of or the head of an intelligence agency or head of the uh the the state department or head of the justice department if you're the heads of any of those departments you wield immense power. But if Congress tells you that you have to send something to Congress, if they subpoena a person or a document, 
it doesn't matter if you're the president, the head of the Justice Department, or some lowly little clerk working in a cubicle in the Pentagon. Whoever you are, you have to comply. Period. That, that has to be clear. And I don't think that's clear for a lot of Americans. They think, you know, well, you know, they have power of this and that. They can refuse. No. If Congress tells you you have to appear before us, they subpoena you, you have to appear. There is no out. And if you refuse to appear or to provide those documents, then you can be held in contempt of Congress and you can be arrested. And that's what you're heading towards is Congress going to hold these people accountable. And my question is, and I'm not I don't I don't know this for sure. Who comes to arrest you? And that's like a small semantic thing. But (laughs) if Congress says you're held in contempt of Congress, who comes to arrest you? I would think it would be the FBI. Yeah. Probably, you think I'd that. say that. And the FBI is part of the Justice Department. And the Justice Department is headed by the Attorney General, who does not, who's appointed by the President, but does not respond to the President. So the question is, because the Justice Department can't take orders from the President. That's, that's a clear violation. That's, that's a conflict of interest. But William Barr, the current Attorney General, head of the Justice Department, has been named in this in this um uh why am i blanking on words today in this scandal so he's been named in this he supposedly was told to you know contact the president he said that he wasn't told to do that but if congress tells him to appear and he refuses and they hold him in contempt of congress and the fbi is sent to arrest their boss what's gonna happen that's an interesting one because if they are if they do then they're stand then they're standing with congress and this is where you know this is the 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 constitutional crisis is we want um I'll use for example. I'll use an example. I'm I'm preparing a speech on the Supreme Court, and um, in it I talk about uh, Brown v. Board. Um, in Brown v. Board of Education, 1954, the Supreme Court held that segregation in any form is a violation of the equal rights of every American, right? Um, the Fourteenth Amendment, and so. If you so they basically said you have to desegregate schools, and very famously, a lot of schools in the South said nah. And what happened was you had um, we'll take the example of George Wallace standing in the schoolhouse door. George Wallace, the governor um, of Mississippi, stood in the door of the University of Mississippi because he had campaigned uh, with he was he said. Uh, segregation now, segregation tomorrow, and segregation forever. So this was his major campaign promise, that nothing would be desegregated. And now the Supreme Court of the United States is telling him, you have to desegregate. And so he stood in the door of the University of Michigan in, in 1960 and said, no one's coming in. No, no black students are going to enter the University of uh, Mississippi. And the deputy attorney general of the Justice Department showed up with federal marshals on either side. And, you know, George Wallace, and there's a fantastic photo of it. George Wallace is flanked by University of Mississippi National Guardsmen. And the deputy attorney general said, stand aside. 
because this is you know, on like you know he said basically the president Kennedy has issued a statement that says you should you have to stand aside. It has no legal bearing, but it's you know yeah, the president the saying says, yo stop. And when he was speaking, Wallace interrupted him and started giving a speech of you know segregation and all this and that. And so the deputy attorney general called President Kennedy, and Kennedy issued executive order, which is, this is great, 11-1-11. So, it's five ones. So, 11-1-11 basically said, because um, Wallace had said, all University of Mississippi National Guardsmen, your job, because you respond to the governor, your job is to keep any black student from entering the University of Mississippi. That's it. You keep them out. Executive Order 11111, signed by Kennedy, said, All Mississippi National Guardsmen, you're now federalized. You respond to me now, not the governor. You let them in. You make sure they enter. And so the general of the Mississippi National Guard went up to Wallace, saluted him, and said, Sir, it's my sad duty to tell you to step aside on behalf of the President of the United States. And Wallace did. And so here's where it gets back. We're going to tie it back to nowadays. This is an order by the president taking a, a state militia and kind of a militia, military organization that responds to the governor and saying, you're now federal troops. You respond to me because here's my order. Now your job, like within, you know, not even overnight, like within hours is... Now your job is goes from keep them out to bring them in. And they did it. And the key word in the dep in the uh the, the National Guard like general's phrase is it's my sad duty. So he thinks they should be kept out. He agrees with Wallace standing in the schoolhouse door is right, but he does it anyway because it's his job, because he's told by the president to do it, and he has to follow the order. And so my thinking is, great, he's racist, but he puts that aside and follows the order of the president. He, he carries out his duty. But then the question is, if this was a different scenario, and the president federalized the National Guard and said, keep them out, don't let them in, keep them out, would I feel the same way? Because you have to follow the orders of the president. But if the president, if what the president is telling you to do morally feels wrong to you, do you, like it felt wrong to that general, do you still follow it? Well, are you saying, okay, so are you saying that, uh, say the president did say keep them out and uh, someone else was trying to let them in, like the governor? Mm-hmm. Uh, would that be also assuming that the Supreme Court ruled it with the president saying that, yes, yeah, segregation is okay? And that's what I had forgotten. I'd forgotten that Kennedy was enforcing a Supreme Court ruling because the Supreme Court has no power to, to order generals to, or troops to do anything. They rely on Congress and the president to carry out their decisions. So Kennedy was acting, was enforcing legislation or a ruling from the Supreme Court, which made his action legal. Because, so if anyone just out of the blue said, 
the president said, you know what, unilaterally, segregation is okay again. And your job is to prevent them from entering. That's illegal. But because the Supreme Court ruled that segregation was illegal, Kennedy was justified. So the question is, if the Supreme Court ruled that what Trump was doing, you know, whatever it was, child separation at the border, say, was unconstitutional, and Trump refused to abide by it, what would happen? Because you have the court whose sole purpose is to say whether something's constitutional or unconstitutional, saying that what you're doing is unconstitutional. And if the president refused to abide by that and Congress refused to impeach him, then the Constitution is null and void and democracy has failed in America. Yeah, this is kind of putting our uh, checks and balances system to the test yes. here. and that's my point. We don't have the Cong Congress saying this is unconstitutional, but the idea is still there. If Congress, if the Republicans in Congress refuse to impeach this president with all the amount of evidence that there is solely because he's a Republican president and they want to protect him, we are one step closer to them just negating all of their responsibilities, shirking the, their duties, ignoring the duties of the other branches, and you have a dictatorship. And the Constitution, you might as well throw the Constitution in the trash. It is null and void at that point. And this is a big step in that, towards that. And so that's why this is so important is because if this is not enough, what is? And that's why I'm happy that, you know, because the, the question was, are Democrats going to start impeachment proceedings now that they have the House? Are they going to start impeachment proceedings? And a lot of them didn't want to because they didn't think that it was enough. They didn't think there was enough evidence to not only impeach him, but to also prosecute him criminally because when you're impeached it doesn't mean you go to jail you're just removed from office but like nixon once you leave office you are free to be investigated criminally you can't while you're in office there can be no uh criminal prosecution against the president while he's in office but if you're removed and criminally prosecuted and put you can be put in jail and that's what the Democrats wanted. They wanted him to be held to account criminally for the things that he's done that are criminal. But how far does that go? Because really, you're then ignoring your duties because you have to set a precedent. If you just let him go unchecked because you want to eventually put him in prison, that to me is not right because you have to stand up for what's important. And that's why I'm happy they're doing it now because this is the Democrats saying, that's enough. The president is not a god. He can't do whatever he wants. We are at least going to try to hold him to account. And it puts the ball in the Republicans' court. If we find enough, we're trying to hold him to account, what are you going to do? And if they don't, it's just inching closer and closer to the death of democracy in this country. And that seems dramatic, but it's true. Because 
you just have to, you can clearly trace throughout his presidency all of the powers that Congress has ceded to the president, has allowed him to dictate what happens when those powers are, re- are delegated to Congress. And this will be whether or not he's allowed to decide what, what to spend money on, you know, who can interfere in our elections when. And this, and it really is a, a, a breaking point for this country. And if this is not enough, then what is? And so, in my opinion, and in your opinion, it's enough. And and I'm and and in the majority of Americans' opinions, there it's at least enough to warrant investigation. And it, I mean, in my opinion, I've seen enough already to to kick him out. Yeah, just from the phone call and the whistleblower complaint itself. Yeah, absolutely. And and moreover, it, it's it's even beyond that. The uh, the members of his cabinet and the people he's appointed who are refusing to abide by the requests of Congress for documents and testimony you're just you know you think you're above the law and you're not and so what i would like to see um and i think sadly this this can only happen with a democratic controlled house senate and white house sadly i think we've gotten to that point or even you know going back to they don't necessarily have to be democratic look at justin amash he's an independent and he's standing up for what's right that what I want to see is investigations into each and every one of these people and them being held to account. And I will regain some faith that lawmakers can, can do their job and uphold the constitution. I don't think he knows what it says. No, I don't think I know he doesn't know what it says. He doesn't know what it says. He doesn't know what its powers are. He doesn't know what Congress's powers are. Doesn't know where his power begins and ends. hard to believe sometimes that we've come this far this is it's 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 amazing it's amazing to me i'm literally speechless sometimes that we 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 can have come to the point that that's that americans think this is okay i hope that and or have you heard that uh if anyone else has kind of followed Justin Amash or I know apparently Mitt Romney has been you know not a, not to the point of Justin Amash has been speaking out but there are no other independents he's the only one who's left the party and I know John McCain before he passed away was very vocal about uh Trump being you know d- dangerous um and obviously Trump responded by attacking a war hero and you know, when he visited Japan, he wanted the USS John McCain, the aircraft carrier that was, you know, named after John McCain after this, after McCain passed away. He wanted it out of sight, wanted it not to be seen. Uh, when it was seen, there was like a banner over its name. No one on that ship was invited to all of like, f- like every member of the destroyers and aircraft carriers in the bay were invited to a party except anyone on the USS John McCain. This is 
this is the, can you imagine how small you have to be, how small of a human being you have to be to even the ship that bears the person's name, you, you deny everyone else on that ship, like, you know, oh, I'm not going to invite them to my party. This is a war hero we're talking about. Yeah, it's kind of petty. Yeah, yeah, you're a small human being. You you have you have you uh, you are inhuman, and I will say, um, John McCain. Uh, honestly, in my opinion, probably could have done more to stand up. You know, uh, they'll go the way that Justin Amash has gone, but he was. And while again, I don't agree with his with what his politics were. He was a respectable guy when he was running against uh, President Obama. He was he wouldn't hear any of the. Uh, whenever someone in a town hall would say, well, I believe President Obama is, you know, uh, he wasn't born in America, he's not a Christian, he's blah, 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 McCain would shut them down and say, no, 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 that's, that's not true, he was born in America, he he is a Christian, he's a good man, like, you know, he, 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 he stood up for Obama. Can you imagine Trump doing that? Can you imagine him defending his opponent? Oh, definitely not. I mean, we've all become numb to the to the idiocy. It it it's you have to, you know, remember that there are people who actually care and who are actually decent human beings. And Justin Amash is one of them. John McCain was one of them. And you have to look for them and find them. And going back to this, Trump has also said, he said, you know, well, I had a conversation with the Ukrainian president. Um, but yeah, I tell you, if they're going to investigate me, they should also investigate Pence, um, Vice President Mike Pence, who also had a conversation. But it was also a great conversation that never blah, blah, blah. And what he's saying there is investigate Mike Pence, the vice president. And because if I go down, Pence is going down, too. And if Pence goes down with me, then Nancy Pelosi, the Democratic Speaker of the House, becomes president. And so he's throwing Pence under the bus to say, protect me, because by proxy, you're protecting Pence. So if you lose me, you lose both of us, and you have a Democratic president. And that, again, is now party over country. If this was a Democratic president, I would want them out instantly. This is not a question of party. This is a question of, you know the person and the country who, who who are they and what are they doing if you remove the labels this is an outrage you know? yeah it's insane what our party system has turned into and it's real and there were there was a there was a um not and and i i i really i know that a partisan the partisan divide is, is it's great in this country but i i hope that throughout this hour I, i've kind of pointed out that there are you know there's problems with both sides but there's also good people on both sides and i see that right i see that but there's a um there's there was a i forget his name but he's he's a well-respected um uh, researcher um he's written several books and he's known throughout the united states uh and gives a lot of talks and he he's a he's a scholar and he was interviewed recently, and he said, like in one of his recent books, he said, the Republican Party is the most dangerous, um, is the most dangerous, and even said evil uh, party in the history of mankind. And 
that's a big statement. And he pointed it out by saying, you know, because the person said, I mean, even like, like ISIS, you know, think about ISIS. He said, ISIS's goal is, does not, ISIS's goal and priorities do not result in the destruction of mankind. They don't. Whereas the Republican Party, as it's become today, no longer traditional conservatism, as it's become today, is, and he's referring to, to their stance on climate change, is just blocking anything that results in even a conversation about climate change. Like the Green New Deal recently that got thrown out had nothing in it that obligated the United States to make any large changes, but it was sold by the Republicans and the, the right media, Fox News and, the, and Breitbart and the like, as, you know, banning cars and airplanes and cows. You're not allowed to raise cattle anymore, any of that. Yeah, for anyone out there listening, actually, if you get a chance, I kind of recommend that you read it, yeah. which and sounds intimidating because you're like, it's a bill, it's going to be long and boring and whatnot. Honestly, some of the news reports that you'd probably read about the Green Deal are probably longer. It was like yeah. under 20 pages, and it's not even like written like a novel. It's like all pretty much like bulleted out or like just in little kind of points like, A, we should do this. B, we should do this. And um, it wouldn't implement anything. No. Um, they were just like, we should start talking about how we can do this and how we can do this. And also kind of just pointed out the dangers and of um, just kind of the bad things we're doing with our environment and things that could lead to and uh, implications that have already happened as well. Yeah. And that's what that's what the Green New Deal was. It was a conversation about climate change. It was no radical change in law. It was basically saying uh, it it held us to a schedule that within Congress there would be discussions and research and, you know, and from there you could then use those discussions and research to basically create policy. Um, but the Republicans and the right sold it as banning cars and planes and cows and as a result said, oh, well, the public doesn't want this because look at how outraged they are. Get it off the table. And when you're even denying... Because there's one of two possibilities. One, they didn't read it and they didn't know what was in it, which is already, you know, yeah, it's, you can't. It's their job. Yeah. Or two, they read it, knew what was in it, but didn't care. And as a result, lied to get it taken off. So either one of those two is pretty bad and i would argue the latter is even worse because it's being aware of the problem aware of the things we could do for it to solve it and then just disregarding it and that is what this guy means when he says they're the most evil organization is you're aware of the path that we're going down that will lead you to apocalyptic scenarios with literally the end of our race as we know it but they refuse to even talk about it. You can argue the semantics of how to act on it, but that requires talking. They don't even want to do that anymore. That's how far we've come. And that's, that's the party that is currently going to hold the president to account, we hope. So you can see how 
people can be skeptical that this is going to, you know, result in his removal. Right. I will, I will say my only kind of complaint with the Green New Deal was that it did feel like they just kind of like slipped in some more liberal agendas. I mean, obviously it wouldn't like actually put anything into effect, but they did talk about just like making more education available and whatnot, which I can kind of see how it would. Well, you have to educate people on what, you know, but yeah, I, I I can, I can see that. Like there were a few things, like I was just kind of like, if you really like, I was like, okay, like we can discuss whether or not we should do those things. And honestly, on some of them, like, okay, I can go a little bit more left than what we're doing now. But at the same time, I'm like, if you want to get this passed and really start doing it, you might have to like sacrifice a few things. And to those are things that really get, get it by. Those are things that get put into bills that are negotiable. People will put things into bills to, you know, say, okay, well, you know what? All right. You give us this. We'll take this out. That's what compromises. But again, you need to have a discussion about that. And exactly. so what you're and they saying did just completely deny it. Like they could have voted yes. And then when it actually came to discuss and they'd be like, no to that. Yeah. What you're saying is how politics should work. You should say, well, I like all this, but I'm not so sure about this. And then I would say, well, the reason behind that is blah, blah. And you're like, yeah, but you know, maybe that we do that a little down the road. And I say, okay, all right, you give me the majority. I'll take this out. And you go deal. And we pass it. And that's how politics should work. But it's not. And that's the point of this podcast is to demonstrate how we can do that, because I agree with you. I agree entirely that there are, you know, there are some points that we should have some give and take on. And and we're I mean, you're demonstrating that right now and you're more to the right. And it's, you know, You should become a lawmaker is what I'm saying. <laughs> we're, we're announcing Wade's run. <laughs> no, no, we're not. Um, not yet. I'm not old enough. No, but um, 24. You have to be 24 to run for House of Representatives. Really? That's yeah. actually pretty young. Right? I guess, you know what? You're out of college and everything. You're an adult. You can yeah. do it. Yeah. So, again, this is this is the whole point of the podcast is to highlight what's not working and show how it should be working and this right here is how it should be working i mean i'm i'm mainly because i've been um listening and reading about this uh more than you have particularly on this issue um but you're you know you have your own information and you have your own beliefs and you're uh you're agreeing with me on what you agree on and you're disagreeing with what you disagree on but See, what we just did there was finding that middle ground, like the Green New Deal. That probably could have gotten taken out. And then also that uh, that requires talking. Right. Um, to wrap this up, kind of because we're, we're nearing our time. To wrap this up, um, just, uh, just to remember, um, there is, impeachment does not necessarily mean that someone is removed from office. Um, you can be impeached and not be removed as we've had twice in our past. Uh, it's impeachment only means that there is an impeachment proceedings means there's an investigation. Impeachment itself means that the house of representatives agrees that what you've done is worthy of being removed. Um, and then it goes on to the Senate and they hold like a, a sort of trial and then you're removed or you're not removed. Um, President Trump invited foreign interference into our elections. That's what that's what this proceeding is about right now. And uh, 
we talked about um, how each party is probably going to handle this. Kind of sum that up. And what it might mean if uh, the Republican Party doesn't hold him to account. And that's also assuming that there is something to hold him to account to. I mean, it's... Uh, if if the Democratic Party comes up with nothing, then there's nothing to hold him to account to. But I I think at this point that's not going to be the case. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking that too from what I've read. Yeah. Also, um, kind of going off of just listening to news reports and hearing things about the actual documents, I'd encourage anyone who's listening to this now to remember that this is also a secondary source. True. So it'd be awesome if beyond this, you even go to the, to the uh, primary sources, read them, and uh, make your own inferences and stuff just going off of ours. I mean, you can take ours into consideration. Yeah. We hope yeah. you do, but... And not only is this a secondary source, this is a non-professional secondary source. This that is, as well. We're just in college. We don't yeah. even have degrees. Yeah. Yeah, really. Uh, but but this is, um, you know, uh, the a secondary source of, you know, common people. So if you uh if you're sick of hearing, you know, high-minded Harvard graduates talk about what the law means, then you can listen to what we think and honestly, I think we kind of agree on this one. Um yeah, for the most part, yeah. So yeah, like Wade said, go check it out yourself. It really doesn't take that long. Um even I haven't read uh the whistleblower report or the um or the transcript, but I've heard it read verbatim on like on radio, um, bits and pieces of it, um, and I've heard from different news sources and read up on different news sources. So I've gotten that variety of reporting, uh, and gone from there. And again, this transcript is released from the White House, so it's not like it's been changed or redacted in any way. This has come directly from the source. So yeah, that's that's. I mean, there were a few redactments in the whistleblower campaign, complaint, well, yeah. actually, but it was only there were there maybe like, I think they like took out like one paragraph at the end, maybe they didn't redact much. But. And and this is the other thing that I forgot to mention. He's Trump's also said he has the right to face his accuser like any American, and that that accuser committed treason by filing a whistleblower complaint, a legal process. The legal process to call out people above you who are, you know, who are committing treasonous or illegal acts. He's called it treason. And really, just even on a fundamental level, that has to feel wrong. That, com- that doing the right thing, the thing that's laid out for you, the path that's laid out, you can argue whether or not what Edward Snowden did was right or wrong because he didn't follow that path. He just took the information of what the NSA was doing and he leaked it. And that there's a lot of there's a lot of semantics and moving bits to that one. But what this guy did or girl, what they did is perfectly legal, followed the laid out path. So to say that that's treason just because it's against you, that's a dictator. That's an authoritarian regime. Yeah, I feel like, I I mean, it can't be treasonous at all to just bring forth evidence of something that someone's doing wrong. And because, again, 
there is no loyalty to the president. There is n you do not swear an oath of loyalty to the president. You protect the country and the Constitution. And if protecting the country and the Constitution means that the president's got to go down, then by all means, they've got to go down. Yeah. I am interested to see what they come up with during the investigation, though, because essentially with the whistleblower complaint... Uh, he wasn't like an exact witness, and it was mostly things that he was hearing from different representatives and things around Congress. So it was a little he said, she said, but I mean, when you get that many people saying things, like you can still be pretty darn concerned with what's going on and what did happen with the phone call. And the other thing is, I'm pretty sure this person's from the intelligence agency, if if I'm not mistaken, um, or has at least sources from the intelligence agency, and they have transcripts of this call. So yeah, they do have the call itself now. So, so that that's why, you know, you can not I mean, skepticism is is healthy. Um but when faced with so many uh facts, you can't you can't deny it. Uh, and again, um the the whistleblower complaint itself, there there's um a report in the New York Times from a, a university professor who picked apart the whistleblower complaint and said, "This is the whistleblower complaint is well written. It's, it was very well written. It's it gets directly to the point of what the president did wrong, who they're they're like you know berating the accusation against, and the evidence that they have. It is it so it's not convoluted. It doesn't use you know any excess wording or any of that. It's clear straightforward well written it was very straight to the point yeah yeah and and of course the people defending the trump say that uh the president say well it's uh you know it's full of all this leftist liberal you know and anger towards trump and blah 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 no read it read it just really read it and and they're also calling for this person to be made public that's not what happens with whistleblowers the point is anonymity that you do not know who did this and of course you know the natural human instinct is well who's bringing up well if this person is you know you know this or that or blah 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 it doesn't matter who the person is really it doesn't matter so long as the evidence they bring is true and reliable and so far it's proven to be that so it doesn't matter who the person voted for. What matters is the evidence and the facts. And and also, Trump saying he has the right to face his accuser. You only have that right in a court of law. This isn't a court of law. It's not a criminal accusation. Right. And so... Kind of like what we went with, uh, well, talked about earlier, where technically you can't be put up in for a criminal charge until after he's yeah. put yeah. out of office, if that's what occurs. Exactly. And so, you know, you really have to, you can't take what you hear as truth all the time. Because, you know, if you hear the president say, well, I have the right to face my attorney, and you think, yeah, really, why aren't they releasing blah, blah, blah? Well, he doesn't have that right. And here's the point of anonymity in the whistleblower process. So, you, I mean, it's really, it pays to be politically liber uh, literate. There is that was a that was a little subliminal dig. <laughs> politically liberal, it pays to be politically liberal. Um, no, it, it pays to be politically uh, literate and to know what the president's powers are and what they aren't. Um, and on that note, uh, yeah, 
I, I think I think we've I think we've definitely um, given given quite a bit of information here. Uh, as you can tell, I'm I'm very passionate <laughs> about this, um, and this is this this really isn't something we can cover in an hour or in an hour and twenty minutes as the timer currently shows. Um, it's really it's a complicated thing. It's a deep dive, uh, and it's something that's been. Uh, building for the past two and a half years so I really like Wade said I really encourage anybody listening and interested to go and check it out even just for you know give five minutes to skim the thing um, the transcript or the whistleblower complaint um, or look up how impeachment works and I mean the New York Times had a great diagram you know just like with photos and uh, you know just read for what's controlled by Republicans blue for what's controlled by Congress and just photos to identify how impeachment actually works. It's really, it, it's, it's important. So yeah, we're back. We're back into the, into the thicket of it. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. We really, really dove in on this one. Yeah. We haven't decided yet what we're doing next time. Have we? Maybe uh, I I don't know we haven't we haven't yet we'll we'll have to discuss that um it'll be a surprise for next week then it yeah looks like. I think I think it'll I think it's probably your time to choose a topic because I chose the past two um it's Wade's birthday today by the way it is uh, I'm we officially have, twenty <laughs> we let's let's end on a happy note um it's it won't be when you hear this but no, it's, no. it is today while we're recording yeah you're you're listening on saturday uh, or whenever you listen uh but wednesday um october 2nd it was wade's birthday turned 20 uh we're all actually um if you're listening to this on wocr 89.1 the one go comets olivet um then uh you're you're probably listening at the same point that um they are celebrating Wade's birthday over in Grand Rapids. Um, I'm not because I'm in the studio playing it, but I was there earlier, hopefully. Um, and I'm probably sobbing right now that I'm <laughs> not there. This is getting um, a little meta with this, the different this, times. This really but... is. This is weird. This is high uh, present Asher, high <laughs> future Asher. Um, so, yeah. That uh, uh, it's we'll end on that happy note. Is that um, it's Wade's birthday, so if you're listening, wish Wade a happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, which I already did today, but happy birthday, Wade. Thank you. Happy happy two decades. Um, yeah, that's uh, I think that, I think that I think that's about it for this one. Um, that's a wrap.